What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 12 of the sports show. We are here today to talk about the NBA, which returns tonight. We are going to talk about the 10 most interesting storylines heading into the bubble, as well as we will be providing a MLB update as that started up Thursday or exactly a week ago. So, yeah, uh, this episode should be a fun one, and uh, yeah, we will get into it. But first, as always, we need to get into other sports news. Uh, Dylan, you can start us off with the first piece of news here. Yeah, so this is a, a big one as um, players, most notably, I, I guess NFL and MLB players, getting huge bags um, of cash. Uh, today's example is Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa is a DN uh, for the Chargers, as most of you probably should know. Anyway, he and the Chargers agreed to a five-year, $135 million deal with the Chargers. That breaks a defensive end world, or defensive end record. Yeah. Um, so, in other news, um, the MLB has postponed all Marlins games until this upcoming Monday. Uh, four more Marlins tested positive for COVID-19 this week. So now there's a total of at least 14 cases, which we will get more into in just a bit when we provide our MLB update. So more on that later. Yeah. Uh, for next news, uh, Patrick, Ma- Patrick Mahomes has become a part um, min- minority owner of the Kansas City Royals. Um, a lot of players are doing this, obviously, with all of the um, – the Mets guys are, are making the push with um with A Rod and J Lo and then uh random one but Kevin Durant bought a minority um stake in the Philadelphia Union um anyway for the next piece of other sports news um many NFL players opted out of this season this week including six Patriots players Eagles receiver Marquise Goodwin and Giants left tackle Nate Solder um uh. First, the Patriots players. Um, conspiracy theory of the day: Bill Belichick is um, getting uh, basically in their heads and wanting them to sit out so they can make a push at Trevor Lawrence. Uh, what do you think about that conspiracy? Yeah, I mean, I'm not entirely sure about that. I mean, I guess you know that it's it's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I think. I mean, at least for. For one of the Patriots players, for instance, Patrick Chung is a uh, former cancer survivor, so he has, like, you know, some underlying health issues, um, plenty of other reasons um, for other guys opting out. But, yeah, I mean, I I guess you could see that. I've said throughout this whole process, I still really can't wrap my head around Bill Belichick potentially trying to tank. Uh, Yeah, it'd be interesting, but, I mean, it's his first year without – it's his first year, at least in 20 years, without Tom Brady. And then lastly for this um, this thing, Giants left tackle Nate Solder sitting out. Now, I am not too disappointed over this as Nate Solder is trash. But, I mean, it kind of, sort of, kind of solves up this offensive tackle dilemma that we had with the newly drafted Andrew Thomas. Um, I guess this makes it a little more clear what the starting lineup will be in week one. Yeah, um, so, yeah, that uh, wraps this quick other sports news um, segment up. There was not a ton to get to here, but now we can move on here to our NBA talk. 
we will be getting into the top 10 NBA bubble storylines. Dylan, you can start us off with the first. Yeah, uh, there are 10. I'm not sure these are the 10 best, but I think these are 10 that we were intrigued by. Uh, we each really took five. Uh, we're not going to specify which ones, though. Anyway, uh, to start it off, uh, how far can the Rockets ultra small ball something like that take them i mean once they traded who who was a solid rim protector and clint capella this trade deadline we knew they were going from some for some small ball approach even running a i think a six five six six pj tucker at the starting center spot um yeah their their tallest players like six foot eight in robert covington it's extremely interesting what they're doing i think if they really learn how to master it and other teams can't really stop the speed space and pace of the Rockets, the Rockets are primed to make a run in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, I would completely agree. If they can get it, if they can get this together, get everybody on the same page with this, you know, high pace um, offense, um, just scoring a lot of points, racking it up, shooting a lot of threes, um, I think that it would certainly be interesting. They could definitely uh, take them for a run. Um, in my predictions, uh, I had them making, um, I mean, making a a bit of a run, not anything too impressive. Getting to the second round, where they where I have them losing to the Lakers. Um, if you guys, by the way, if you guys did not check out um, our NBA predictions episode, that was episode eleven. Please, please, please go check that out. That was definitely uh, that was the longest episode we've done so far, and in my opinion, one of the better ones we've done so far. Um, but, yeah, anyway, back to the Rockets. Um, yeah, I definitely think that if they can um, get everybody on the same page, get everybody on on board and really figure this thing out, then, yeah, I definitely think, you know, with, with pace, you know, we haven't really seen anything anything like this. So I think they could definitely, you know, shock a lot of teams. Teams might not know how to, how to um, defend it and how to, you know, strategize against it. So I think, you know, they could definitely be primed to make a run. Yeah, I think what might turn into somewhat of a a downside of this if you're playing against uh, some type of star big man center type guy, Nikola Jokic, um, Anthony Davis, two guys the Rockets very well, um, might have to face up against in the playoffs, especially if they win any series. Uh, that then you you might see some struggles, but it's possible that with the um, the absolute the speed advantage, maybe, um, maybe the Rockets could get past a situation like that and um, and make it to the finals. I, I don't know. I think especially with uh, all the craziness that is going to occur in the NBA bubble, especially in the playoffs, but also in the seeding games. I mean, you never know. It's possible that a team like the Rockets could just sneak away and and maybe even win the finals. But anyway, uh, we can move on to our next one that Ben can say. Yeah, so um, the next uh, storyline we have here is, are super teams going to form in the bubble? Basically, what we mean by that is, will we see superstars, um, players, you know, get together, start talking, you know, and, and maybe we see some teams form out of this because we haven't really ever seen a this many players um, in one place at one time, just in a bubble, not not being able to go anywhere. So, you know, there's definitely going to be talk. Will we see some super teams, you know, lining up, 
uh, with with free agents coming up this year, um, guys luring other players in as players can talk all year long. That's not considered tampering. But yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah, I mean, if we go back, let's say to two thousand and eight, but I really think every Olympic year, two thousand eight in um in Beijing, uh, Beijing, the uh the the super team. Heat basically reformed. I mean, LeBron, Wade, and Bosch all basically became friends. Um, and they decided that one day, when their contracts were off, which was in 2010, they were all going to form together and, and create a super team. I think this is something like that, especially with uh, the fact that basically all the superstars are here, at least uh, for some time, and will get to perform. So I think there is a good chance that we could see um, something crazy like this happen. Yeah, um, I, I don't. I think it's actually going to be very likely that we do um, see something like this. I mean, the Olympics, um, you know, it definitely happens then, as Dylan mentioned. But even with, you know, the Olympics, with the Olympics, you can, you, you know, you're not every single, you know, team in the league is there, not every single player. I really do think, you know, it might not be the you know, three of the top 10 or top 20 players in the league or whatever. But I really do think, um, you know, that go to all one place um, like we saw with with the big three, with the Heat. Um, but, no, I, I definitely think that, um, that you know, even if it's just uh, players talking and, and, you know, friendships being made, that, that it definitely could um, in some sense, you know, lead to – to some type of super team or at least, you know, form some some very good teams. Yeah. Uh, now for the next one, I mean, we all know LeBron James uh, deserves the MVP award this season, possibly. Um, will he get it? Most likely not. Giannis Antetokounmpo will mostly um, win that. But anyway, uh, I think the Lakers are really primed to make a run to the finals, maybe even win it um so the next top storyline is um how will lebron's quest for ring number four work out yeah i mean we'll see we have never seen lebron this rest um for a playoffs so we will see if that actually has an impact or not whether or not freshness freshness is actually a factor because he has been very very good in basically every playoffs he's played in um you know, he, he's never really been this fresh. He's ne- obviously nobody's really ever come off of um, a, a three or four month hiatus here. But um, yeah, it's, it's, is freshness actually going to be a factor? Um, does that matter? Does that not matter? Does How much does the crowd impact his game? All that will be, we will see. Um, you know, he's, um, he's getting up there in age. Um, he's 36, I believe, right now. So um, he, he, you know, this could be not, not one of the last times, but this could definitely be, um, one of his best opportunities, uh, to, to win a ring here. Yeah. I feel like if LeBron wins it, I mean, the LeBron haters will still hate and, and they always find a way to, um, to put LeBron down or at least, uh, down in his legacy. I mean, obviously people will not say or or people will say okay you had Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh on your team to win the first two and then Kyrie um carried you which by no chance is that true he hit the the finals winning shot but he didn't um really carry LeBron in any sense um but yeah I think LeBron and Anthony Davis um 
are, are primed to uh, win the Lakers their 17th championship, which would tie the Celtics for the most rings in NBA history and continue to give LeBron a case for the GOAT. Yeah. All right, so we can move on here to our next um, storyline here. Uh, we learned um, a couple of, or I guess a week or two ago, um, that the Sixers will run a new starting lineup consisting of Shake Milton at the point guard, uh, Josh Richardson at the shooting guard, Tobias Harris at small forward, and then Simmons at the power forward, and then obviously Embiid at the center. So the next storyline is, could Ben Simmons at the, power fi- at the power forward actually work? We've seen him in scrimmages. He's been very, very good. He's been shooting some threes. So could this actually work? Yeah, I mean, it could work. I didn't. I still don't think this is the right move, but I guess it sort of makes sense. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't that Ben Simmons at point guard was hurting this team whatsoever, as I think Ben is by far the best ball handler, passer, um, basically anything playmaking wise on our team. But I mean, I guess the added shooting with Shake Milton, who is one of the better, if not the best, shooter on the roster. Um, or, or probably not the best, but but one of the better, and and he will be the best in the starting lineup now. But um, plus uh, getting Al Horford, who is having a major major down year, um, to the bench. I mean, Horford has looked pretty solid in scrimmages, but still, I think this was the right move. Um, and I mean, they could always change it if it's really not working in the seeding games for the playoffs. Yeah, um, I think the addition of Horford to the bench. Um, is also a benefit of this. I think Horford, um, I, I've also been, um, I haven't been uh, the person to, to um, immediately blame this whole season on him because I really do think that he has an opportunity to show up in the playoffs. He's, you know, throughout his whole career, he has been, tr- for the most part, better um, in, in the playoffs than in the regular season. So maybe he can do that here um, with, with the Sixers. But if he can't, then I definitely think um, moving him to the bench permanently is probably the way to go, even though you gave him that big contract. So um, it should be interesting uh, to see what, um, what ends up happening with Simmons at the power forward. This maybe could be the future of the Sixers lineup, or it could be a complete and total afterthought if it doesn't work. Uh, Yeah. Now we can move on to our next storyline, which is, I mean, who will win the race for the eighth seed in the West, but also the ninth seed potentially forcing a playoff game? Now, my answer for this um, is different than most. Um, I have the Grizzlies and the Kings making it. Most people would say the Grizzlies or the Pelicans, maybe the Grizzlies, Blazers, Pelicans, Blazers. But no, I think the Kings make a run into the playoff. But anyway, um, I I think this got even more interesting now that we know the Pelicans uh, will be starting the bubble without Zion or or not without. But most people would have the Pelicans if one team was going to overtake the Grizzlies. It would be the Pelicans. But now with Zion out, I mean, what does that turn into? I think that is interesting. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's going to be highly, highly competitive um, at this um, at this eighth and uh, ninth seed race. Um, I think you know it's definitely going to be interesting. I think um, in in most um, scenarios, most people have um, a playing game 
happening. Um, I just barely have um, a playing game being missed um, between the Grizzlies and the um, and the Blazers. Um, but yeah, so I mean, obviously the Pelicans starting without Zion could definitely impact this this race uh, for the the eighth and ninth seeds um, in the West. But yeah, it will be interesting. It will probably be the most interesting um, race for for a seed um, throughout the the whole league. As you know, basically everything in the East is is just about set, um, unless the Wizards can really make a run and. Uh, one of the Magic um, and the Nets are, are struggling mightily. Um, basically, I mean, we'll probably see some jumbling around um, throughout the standings in both conferences, but I think that this is probably, uh, or probably by far, the uh, the most competitive race. Uh, yeah, so that wraps up our fifth, um, fifth storyline. Now we will move on to another one, which is... Uh, Will Giannis and the uh, Bucks go out in disappointing fashion once again? And what does that do for Giannis's not just his legacy, but um, his mainstay on the Bucks? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, the last few years they've gone out uh, somewhat disappointingly. Um, I think this year, I mean, this year, this is, uh, you know, Giannis um, has, you know, is incredibly rested as, you know, basically everybody is um, at this point. Giannis uh, will most likely or just about uh, guaranteed to win the MVP. Um, so um, he's he's in shape. And I think at this point, there's really not an excuse for the Bucks not to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I think anything else um, outside of that is... Uh, definitely going to be disappointing um and and uh, basically i think it's conference finals or or finals or bust at this point for the bucks um but yeah i think if he can't if he can't lead his team in the playoffs once again um then i think it definitely impacts his his stature as uh the number one player in the league um but yeah we'll see what ends up happening with that yeah i have a bad feeling that if uh, the Bucks don't make it or win the finals at all in the next two years. Giannis is out, or not a bad feeling, but just a feeling. I think I would define a disappointment for this year, uh, not making the finals. Uh, as one, the East is less competitive and does not have Kawhi in it like last year. But also, I mean, the Bucks were basically the standout best team in the league this year. So, um. So I, I would definitely call it disappointing if they don't beat out the East and make it to the finals. Yeah. All right, so we can move on here to our next storyline, and that would be will Brad Stevens and the Boston Celtics break through this year? Um, I think, yes, I have the Celtics going all the way to um, to the finals this year to face the Lakers. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think this is probably their year. Um, you know, Kemba, uh, if, you know, if that, if our, if the season continues from there, I don't think they're as primed to make a run because Kemba was dealing with some knee issues, um, you know, heading into the, the sea, uh, into the playoffs, uh, but now he should be good to go. So yeah, I think this is, this is definitely the best chance, uh, that Boston has had to, to make a run in, in quite a while. So I think that this is, if, you know, this core is going to work. I think this is probably the year. Yeah, I mean, this is 
I, I would not necessarily bet on it, but this is uh, most likely Kemba's peak with the Celtics. I don't think he's getting much better um, at any point in his career. That being said, I mean, I wouldn't call this the time as um, Jalen Brown has definitely not peaked, nor I don't think Jason Tatum has as um, they're only one and zero time All-Star. So I don't think this is now. Right. I don't think this has to be the year for them to break through. I mean, I think they're going to uh, win the finals, as you guys may know. I mean, I think that was a bit of a bold prediction, probably, especially if Kemba's struggling with injuries. But still, I think they are primed to make a run this year. That being said, even if they don't, they still have one of the better young teams, if not the best young team in the league. Right. I think that um, I would agree that, you know, they are very well equipped for the future. But I think in terms of, you know, if I, I would agree with you in the fact that uh, this is probably the best you're going to get out of Kemba, um, at least for his his Celtics run. So I think that, you know, in terms of that, I, I don't think Tatum has quite reached um, his peak. I think he definitely has uh, or or has the potential to go um, to go um, a bit farther. Um, same with Jalen Brown. But I, I think that, you know, if you if you bring in the, the spot that they're at and you add in how good Kemba has been this year. I think that this, maybe it's not, you know, the, the one and only year that they have uh, to do it. I definitely think next year and, and in the future um, it, it could work as well. But I think this year um, they're just because of how um, uncertain everything is, we could see, you know, basically just about anybody make a run. Um, I think this could, could definitely be the year for them. Okay, uh, next one. Uh, how in shape will the players be coming out of the four-month hiatus? And, and my answer to that is uh, I wouldn't say out of shape, but definitely rusty. Yeah, um, I think this is really the questionable questions. Uh, this is the storyline of all storylines, in my opinion, because this really dictates just about how the entire bubble goes. If, if I mean, nobody- yeah, this. If no one's in shape, that affects the rest of these questions. So I think this right. might be the biggest question. I, it probably is the biggest question. Yeah, because you know exactly as you said it. If if nobody's in shape, um, then nobody's going to value what happens in the bubble. Nobody's going to um, think much of anything really. If if nobody's in shape and nobody's well conditioned and everybody's rusty, um, I think if. You know, but if but if it's vice versa and everybody is ready to go, everybody's fresh, um, rested, then I think this could be, um, then this would definitely be taken um, as um, a, a quote serious year. Or um, I, I don't like to go into the asterisk talk because that's that's a whole another discussion. But um, you know, if if the players are in shape, we should definitely see some quality quality basketball. I certainly hope. The, the players are in shape and are rested and ready to go. Uh, I talked about it with LeBron. If LeBron, we could see the best LeBron's ever been in the playoffs because he's so rested, or we could see maybe the worst because he's not coming off in an 82-game regular season. So, you know, this uh, certainly is the storyline of all storylines, in my opinion. Um, and we will see just how in shape the players will be coming out of the four-month hiatus. Um, you know, they've been... For the most part, they've been pretty much in shape from what I've seen um, throughout these scrimmages. But um, but their scrimmages, um, everything could change as soon as we get into the eight seeding games. But yeah, 
Uh, yeah, I'm not looking for the players to be at peak what exactly what they were, but I don't want to see Russ like um like the players actually are a step or or multiple steps down. I think if we see players rusty at first, that makes sense. But I think once we get into the full swing of things, especially the playoffs, and if we're still seeing rust or um or players being out of shape, that's when um question or, or questions may be raised um. Or, or hands may I don't know what the phrase is, but uh, anyway, uh, the next one is: Will team chemistry problems uh, get in the way of the Jazz? Possibly, I wouldn't bet on it anyway, but possibly contending in um, in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean um, that's basically the reason um, I don't have really doing anything in the playoffs. I have down um, to the six seed. They're the four seed currently. And then I have them losing um, in the first round, basically all because of um, th- these chemistry issues. Um, and, and even so, um, if, if you basically erase the chemistry issues, I just don't think that they're, you know, head and shoulders above anybody to the point where the team chemistry issues just don't matter. Um, I think, you know, especially when you have two, somewhat young stars in, in Gobert and Mitchell team chemistry is, is basically everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, if they can't, um, pull the chemistry together, then I think we could see, you know, uh, not, not, (laughs) but just a, um, a reformation of the team this off season. Uh, yeah. And finally the last storyline, uh, what will happen with the whole Zion Williamson fiasco? Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think anybody really knows for sure. Will he come back, be 100% ready to go, and we can see, um, you know, playoff-ish Zion or, or playoff-like games, especially if they're in that eighth and ninth race um, to try to get in. Um, then I think, you know, those games will basically be like playoff games. So we do have an opportunity to maybe see um, something happen there. But, yeah, I'm excited to see what, Zion will look like um, coming out um, of this. Um, they're, they're opening um, tonight, obviously, without Zion. But, yeah, we'll see what ends up happening. And, uh, obviously, it's a big storyline to watch. Yeah, real quick, that wraps up the NBA storylines. But um, before we get into MOB, I just want a prediction for each of uh, the next two – wait. Or for each of the ne- – or for each of tonight's games. Jesus. Um, yeah, so uh, the the Jazz and the Pelicans play tonight at 6.30, I believe. Um, personally, I have the Jazz winning that game, um, especially with the Pelicans without Zion, even though I just said that um, I don't like where the Jazz are out without, uh, or with the, the team chemistry problems. But nonetheless, I think that they win this game tonight. Yeah, I think both of these um, teams are going to struggle in the eight seeding games, as I do not have both of the teams doing too well. But I think the Jazz get away with this one tonight, especially with Zion out. I think even though the Jazz might be in even more of a pickle than the Pelicans, the Jazz are are just a lot more talented of a team. So uh, now for the next one. Uh, the Clippers and the Lakers, obviously the game that people actually, or, or not actually care about, but like really, really care about compared to Jazz Pelicans. Um, I think it's going to be a tight game. We saw these teams play three times this year in, um, in, 
in on opening night, the Clippers got the dub on Christmas. The Clippers got the dub, and then um in March, only a few days before the season got suspended, the Lakers uh, won that one. But yeah, who do you think is going to win the game at nine o'clock Eastern time? Yeah, um, I've got the uh, I've got the Lakers in this one just because the Clippers have so many you know questions with uh, Lou Williams um, is obviously in his re quarantine uh, phase. Montrezl Harrell, um, you know, not exactly sure what his deal is. Um, I don't believe he will be playing tonight. So the the Clippers are just uh, they've got a lot of moving pieces right now. Um, so at least for tonight, I've got I've got the Lakers. Uh, yeah, I think for me, I have the Clippers taking this one. I've pointed this out very t- well, many, not many times, but a few times. And in um in NBA predictions video, I said if the Clippers play the Lakers, I have at least somewhat confidence uh, that the Clippers will beat the Lakers. That being said, I'm not sure that the Clippers are necessarily the better team. I just think the Clippers outplay the Lakers, not just because of this regular season, but also they have um a way deeper roster and and. At least as of lately, Kawhi has definitely been outdueling LeBron. So yeah, that wraps up all of our NBA segment. Um, all this NBA segment. Uh, now it is time to just do a, a somewhat brief MLB update. Uh, today we are going to start. Uh, we we mentioned it on other sports news, but we're going to go more in depth to uh the whole Marlins situation. Yeah, so the Marlins obviously had um, an outbreak of coronavirus. There are now um, 14, um, 14 players and um, players that we know have uh, coronavirus. Uh, there is a potential that there are more who have it, um, and they're just not announcing it. Um, but yeah, so obviously an outbreak for the Marlins. Um, as I mentioned um, earlier in the episode, um, the MLB has halted um, the Marlins play until um, at the minimum this coming Monday, um, the Nationals team who who were scheduled to play them this weekend actually took a vote um, on whether or not the players wanted to play against them, whether they wanted to put themselves at risk in a situation like that. And, and the Nationals players voted no um, play them. So uh, the Marlins have, uh, they've been, postponed um the uh the Phillies who um played against the Marlins um this past weekend um they all had to be tested um and they had their their games have been uh postponed as well for a bit um we did actually learn today just before we came on the air that um that uh one member of the Phillies staff has in fact tested positive for COVID-19 so um, they might retest everybody again. Um, they might not. Um, they, as far as we know, there were not any positive tests um, for those Phillies players that were, in fact, tested. Um, so the Yankees, who were scheduled to play the Phillies, um, and the Marlins, who were – or, sorry, the Orioles, who were scheduled to play the Marlins, um, the Yankees and the Orioles have been playing. Um, they played a game – last night and are scheduled to play again tonight. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of um, a sticky situation with the MLB. Um, when we had, when um, you have these, these positive tests, I mean, 
at least in my opinion, I, I knew that it would be at some point that we'd see this, uh, that we'd see an outbreak at one of these teams. I certainly didn't expect it to be this early or, or this many players necessarily with, with 14. That's a bit much. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, we'll continue to see how the MLB handles it and hopefully everybody who has the virus recovers. Okay, uh, next uh, thing we're talking about, uh, the Astros and the Dodgers faced off last night, uh, which was not as notable. The Dodgers won 4-2 to two in 13 innings, but uh, more notably, the Dodgers and the Astros faced off on Tuesday night and things got a little bit shaky. Yeah, so um, Dodgers pitcher... Joe Kelly threw behind both Carlos Correa and Alex Bregman. Obviously, the whole Astros sign-stealing uh, scandal um, came out this this uh, winter. So everybody is still um, a little uh, mad or is still very mad about that and, and that and the fact that they didn't even really get punished um, for it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would expect what happens um, this uh, two days ago to be the, the continued case, uh, pitchers throwing behind, trying to hit uh, Astros players. We saw it in one of the scrimmages, actually. Both all of Altuve, Correa, and Bregman were uh, hit um, um, uh, last week in one of the scrimmages in preparation for um, this or for the season. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be the case throughout. Um, but but the uh, the Astros being thrown out wasn't even really the story. Um, after um, Carlos Correa was uh, thrown at, um, Joe Kelly made like a baby face at um, at Carlos Correa, um, and you know was making fun of um, him. So um, a bunch of bad blood between the two teams. Uh, Correa then also struck out um, and. Um, Joe Kelly yelled at him, um, nice swing, um, explicit. Um, so yeah, definitely, uh, things got shaky for sure. Um, Joe Kelly was suspended for eight games, which in a 60 game season, in my opinion, is way, way, way too much. It, it equivalents to 22 games in a 162 game season, which you never see anybody get suspended unless it's for PEDs or stuff like that. But just for like a, like a fighting incident, nobody really gets suspended. It's usually like five, six games, somewhere in the in that general area. Twenty two games is is a ton. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think it's way too much. Um, and especially when you know you punish Joe Kelly for for doing that, but then you don't really uh, punish the Astros for their entire sign stealing scandal. It's it's a disaster, the MLB, and how they are handling everything with this uh, Astros high-ceiling scandal. Two more topics about the MLB to talk about. Uh, one will be uh, just looking at, like, a standings update and who has been uh, – imp- or who has surprised you kind of this season and uh, who has not um, – or who has been pointing. And then we're going to talk about our favorite team, the New York Mets. But first, let's talk about standings. Yeah, so uh, we're just going to go straight through. We'll start in the AL East. Um, the Red Sox have been um, a bit underwhelming, um, at least this far into the season. They are only two and four. 
um, and are in last place in the AL East. After that is the Orioles at two and two, <laughs> then the Buffalo Blue Jays um, at three and three, then the Tampa Bay Rays uh, at four and two, then the Yankees at three and one. Moving on to the AL Central. Wait, wait, wait. I want to say something about uh, the uh, Red Sox. The Red Sox, uh, if it was not for disastrous uh, pitching rotations, would be one in five. But, I mean, the Mets pitching rotation is a disaster, which we will get to. But, yeah, um, also I think for impressive teams in the AL East, the Orioles, although they've only played four games with some of their Marlins games getting canceled, um, they lost to the Yankees last night. But I think stealing two out of three from a Red Sox team, whether the Red Sox are good enough or good or not, is a pretty good first series. Uh, but yeah, now for the AL Central, uh, my World Series or my World Series winning pick. Uh, t- uh, Minnesota Twins have not disappointed whatsoever, starting four and one, with their only loss coming uh, in game number two to the White Sox, ten to three. I think the Twins are still, um, or, or, or showed that they are prime to make a huge run this year. Yeah, um, the rest of the AL Central, uh, in last place, we have the Kansas City Royals, who were talked about in, um, in the earlier segment with Patrick Holmes now becoming a minority stake. Um, unfortunately, that has not improved that at all as they have, uh, as they start now two and four in last place in the AL Central. Tied with them um, is the Chicago White Sox, also two and four. Then we have at four and two. Then the uh, Cleveland at four and two as well. Yeah, I'm actually um, impressed with what the Tigers have done. Uh, they're scoring runs. Um, they did lot lose to the Royals, um, fourteen six, but they uh have won four out of their first six, which um is on pace to way better than anything they did um last year, at least in terms of win percentage, as they were the worst team in the league. And then finally, the AL, um, the AL West. I would not say anyone has been uh too good or too bad. Everyone is um. Only one game separated uh, with the Astros and the A's in first. Uh, now it is time to move on to the National League. Yeah, so we can start, uh, or, or actually this time we'll start in the West and progressively move toward the East talk about the Mets. Um, so starting off the NL West, the Diamondbacks have started off a bit underwhelming at 2-4, and four, uh, coming in at last place in the NL West. Then we have the San Francisco Giants at 3-3 in fourth place. Then we have the San Diego Padres at 4-2, and two, um, tied for that third uh, – or tied for that second spot, really, with the Dodgers, who are in second place um, at 4-2 as well. Then the Rockies, who have um, who have been very impressive thus, thus far, um, at 4-1 and one and sitting in first place in the NL West. Yeah, I mean – all of those teams, except for, I would say, the Diamondbacks have uh, either exceeded expectations or exceeded to expectations so far. I think especially the Padres and the Rockies, who have, um, have done a lot better than I was expecting them to. The Dodgers have done just about what I was expecting them to do, except for the fact that they um, they only split with the not-so-good Giants. But, yeah, uh, now we can move on to the Central, where the Reds have been at least disappointing. For my standards, about right for yours, I'd them. Winning the NL Central, the Pirates have been um, just as bad as you think they would be. Uh, Cardinals have been fine, along with the Brewers. 
fine. And then the Cubs have had a very solid start, um, taking two or three from uh, each of the Brewers and the Reds. Uh, they have one more with the Reds tonight until they uh, go at home for uh, Irish. Uh, and now we can move on to the NL. Yeah, so the NL East has been uh, jumbled up to say the least with um, the Marlins. Um, obviously, we've talked about them um, a ton with all their games being delayed. Uh, the Phillies as well. So really the only teams that have um, actually played the amount of games they should have um, will be the Nationals, the Mets, and the Braves. Uh, the Nationals are currently based this, – this NL East is all based off win percentage. So uh, the, the Nationals are technically in last place at two and four. Then the Phillies at one and two as they um, had a, a disappointing first uh, weekend as they lost to – to the Marlins, uh, the Mets, then follow them more on them later. They are currently three and three. Then the Braves as well at three and three. And then the Marlins, um, even though they have a ton of uh, COVID-19 positive tests, they are still technically in first place at two and one. Uh, yeah, now it is time for our favorite team, the New York Mets, to go on game, basically talking about uh, things, even though – Six games might seem like a lot to summarize. Um, we will start on Friday, the 24th, opening day, against the Atlanta Braves. Uh, they played some defense, obviously, because uh, Jacob DeGrom was pitching. But it was a close game until in um, in the up in the seventh. Joanna uh, Cespedes, uh, who returned for the first time in two years, cracked a homer to left. Uh, field and it gave the uh, one the Mets the one zero. But uh, now we can move on to the against the Braves. Uh, where Ben can basically summarize uh, what happened. Yeah, I mean they basically blew this game. Um, they had the lead. Um, Edwin Diaz was up to his old poor performances, blowing saves and and things along those lines. Uh, as he was obviously terrible last year. Um, so, uh, the game went on, the Mets had the lead going into the eighth. Yeah, going into, uh, the eighth, um, and then Diaz just kind of blew it, um, as he gave up, um, a home run. The game would go on to extra innings where the Mets would lose, uh, basically just blowing the game, um, as Diaz continues to struggle. Uh, yeah, and then uh, just to uh, sum up, the next three games, they got absolutely blown out of the water, 14-1 um, to by the Braves to wrap up that. Traveled to Boston, where they won both of those pretty handily. And then we will, uh, we will talk uh, briefly about yesterday's game, Wednesday, uh, the 29th. It, it was a crazy one. I don't know if you were watching, but I watched uh, the whole game. Yeah. started off pretty uh, not like pretty strong but it was it was manageable they uh held a three to two lead in the sixth until uh uh until a homer made it three to three and then the eighth inning is kind of where it blew up i mean uh yeah. pitcher um pitching was a struggle for absolutely always um justin wilson uh gave off three runs um and then uh 
we can move on to the bottom of the eighth where Joanna Cespedes um, homered first at that second homer of the season. Uh, Robinson Cano hit a nice pitch uh, to left field, but that was about all of their luck for the eighth inning. And then the ninth inning, uh, uh, some craziness happened. They loaded uh, the bases with no outs. They scored a run on one out. Then uh, Joanna Cespedes struck out. And Robinson Robinson Cano hit a, a bloopy a bloopy hit to the outfield that um that the Red Sox were ready for caught the ball and that was the game. It was a very uh interesting game and just continued to show how awful this Mets pitching rotation, especially the relievers, are. Yeah, just uh one quick thing um about that game. Andres uh Andreas Jimenez um the just about top prospects uh, for the Mets shortstop um, made his MLB debut yesterday. He finished. Uh, he had his first um, hit as well as his first RBI on an RBI triple um, to give the Mets the lead. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it for that game. Yeah, that wraps up this uh, long episode of the Sports Show with Ben Dillon. We will be back next Monday. I think we. Talk about uh, more or further into the MLB and the NBA's restart, similar to what we did yesterday, and we will probably be doing that for a little while, just uh, summarizing what's happened in the past days. Um, but yeah, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this long episode, and I will talk or we'll talk to you guys next time.